Hi, I'm Alex Ennis. Thanks for joining us on the Simplify Strategies podcast, where we interview unique niche leaders to help you find your path forward. All right, well, I'm excited today to have with me Scott and Christy Bungie. And yes, it may have a unique last name, but um, you're gonna find out what he's invented is actually even more unique. So I'm excited to talk about that. Now I have known Scott for several decades. Um, and so we've become friends. As a matter of fact, we spent a summer in another nation and we were in Taiwan together. So we got to know each other even more years ago, but over the years, um, you know, kind of fade in and out of relationships, catch up with somebody here and there. And then Scott and I reconnected a few years ago um, because I really had a heart for entrepreneurs, people in unique niches and just kind of coming alongside of them, praying for them and helping them uh, with whatever they had in life journey. And also I wanted to hear their story. How did they do it? You know, where did it come from and that sort of thing. So Scott and Christy, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourselves. Tell us a little bit about your family, where you live right now, um, background, that sort of thing. Hi, I'm Scott and it's my wife, Christy, and we have three uh, kids and we have a foster daughter too as well, which we'll talk more about later. Um, but our oldest is uh, engaged and about to get married in a year or so. Awesome. Um, and so then we have uh, one at Washita and then uh, the youngest one in, in high school still. Okay. And, uh, so Christy's the social worker and um, I've been an entrepreneur and in sales for um, since I graduated from college. Okay, Christy, um, so social worker, what area do you work in? Um, I work at the hospital. I do a lot of discharge planning, um, work on the general medicine floor, um, a lot of nursing home placements and equipment and home health and anything people need to be able to leave the hospital safely. Okay. All right. Very good. Well, Scott, why don't you just launch out because I'm not going to be able to do it justice uh, yes. with what you invented and other things that, you know, that you certainly had ideas for and, and that sort of thing. So talk us through what you do and then we'll back up to how did that even come about? All right, go for it. All right. So um, really this all started about 30 years ago, I can't believe it, but we were talking uh, back when we were at Washtenaw together. Um, I've always had a goatee and it's kind of really been a part of my identity and um, always ended up getting it crooked and ended up having to shave it off. Um, and so for literally you know, 20, 30 years, I just kept looking on and off to see if somebody had come up with a solution for how to get my goatee from not being crooked. I mean, I, I've talked to a bunch of guys over the years and we've tried anything from spoons to spatulas to, you know, any kinds of things to be able to try to figure out how you can know that this doesn't end up looking, you know, all lopsided. Yeah. So, um, you know, while I was uh, doing pharmaceuticals uh, at night and on the weekends, I started working on developing a design for the product. Now know that my background is not in engineering. Okay. My background is, is, I'm a, uh, is business and accounting, and then I got a master's uh, in business, I have an MBA. But I didn't know, I didn't know anything about CAD files, I didn't know anything about that. <laughs> and that's one thing as an entrepreneur, you just, you just learn to jump in and figure out how to make it happen. And so I did a lot of times Googling and, you know, just trying to 
you know, find out, uh, you know, the best way or how to go about, you know, accomplishing this task. And so the whole product came out of my own need. And that's really what I tell a lot of people is they're like, Hey, I want to invent something. How do I invent it? And I'm like, you need to just, first of all, take and take a piece of paper and write down what frustrates you during the day, you know, and just to then look to say, okay, is there a solution for this? Go on the internet and look to see if you can find a solution. And so that's really how my invention came about was by my own need. And so, um, you know, and, and another thing I always tell people is, is they'll say, oh, I had this idea, you know, 10 years ago. I say, don't give up on it. If there's not a solution there now, it's still a viable product and a viable thing that you should pursue if that is what's on your mind cost, you know, at least, you know, every now and then, you know, it keeps coming up and you keep looking for a solution. So, yeah. uh, but I invented, uh, after three years, took me three years uh, to do it. I didn't have $20,000. That's what they were asking for when hey. I first started is they wanted, uh, you know, there's a company that if I paid them 20,000, you know, they would help me and I, I didn't have that money. So, um, you know, I just started my first prototype was with Play-Doh and a popsicle stick. You know, and so I just was trying to figure out like, how do you get the shape of a face? And, you know, and so- um, We literally it, mailed clay and popsicle sticks to a designer. Yes. Really? Yeah, we ultimately started looking online and looking for people that would like make you know, that did product design and things like that. And I've been with this guy for 14 years now. So, okay. I, but you know, I, I just found him online. And so then I mailed him this, you know, clay and popsicle stick, you know, so, just so to, how did you get the Play-Doh though? Cause it's soft, right? So did you just let it stay out and harden? Like when we all That's forget to put like the lid clay. on or what? It was actually more like clay. So okay. it kind of held its shape. Yeah. We try, we try, and that's the thing about being an entrepreneur and figuring things out. You just go to the hardware store and you just look for anything that might do the trick. And so I'll end up buying maybe 10 different things. I'll buy clay. I did plaster. Kristen took and plastered just a little hole there left for me to breathe. And so we took and we put plaster over my face. Once again, just trying to figure out how do you get that shape? You know, how that's do you, awesome. How do you make this happen? And so it doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be, you got to go have a bunch of money to do. No, just start literally with a pencil, a piece of paper, and then just try to think through it, you know. Now, but Christy, wasn't in a, wasn't in, in now Christy, on the plaster, were you tempted to make sure there wasn't two holes where he could? <laughs> Actually, I think it was just right there, right above, right above his nose. Well, okay, so fascinating thing right fascinating item it's so unique so different um but christy behind the scenes where you're rolling your eyes where you're going come on scott i mean this isn't going anywhere or i i'm sure you were trying to be supportive but at the same time wasn't there something in you going no way no how well no i don't think that necessarily um I thought I married an accountant. <laughs> Turns out. <laughs> so, um, and I, actually, I read a book one time that just really kind of helped me put 
a lot of things into perspective, talking about uh, different men and different husbands and the way they are. And I just talked about some men have these ideas and they just will have ideas out of the blue and they'll go for them. And some of them will work and some of them won't. Um, I knew that he'd had this issue with his goatee because I was his checker for years and years. <laughs> Is it straight? Um, so I didn't know how we were going to do it, but. <laughs> sure. Well, especially when you heard the $20,000 thing, I'm sure it was like, whoa, no. We're, never we're told her that. about that. I oh, never yeah. told her about that. No. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to go that route anyway. Well, so, it you was, know, you know, right, right. Yeah. Selectively giving her information, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I will say it does take a special woman to be the wife of an entrepreneur. Now, women are entrepreneurs too, so please don't think I'm not saying that mm -hmm. uh, because it takes a special man to be a husband of an entrepreneur. But yes. I just mean that spouse is just, you know, you gotta have I me. Mean, she believes in me so much. I mean, it just, it just changes your world when you've got somebody that really believes in you. And it's like, okay. Yeah. Well, talk to us about rough times. Right. So it's fun to send it off. It's fun to do the clay thing. And hey, yeah. that's kind of unique. And where's this going? But talk to us about, you know, the dark, the dark times that come yeah. for entrepreneurs. Yeah. Well, and like we were talking about earlier, you know, it just depends on the day. It can be, you know, a very rough time just with, you know, a lot of times you're working by yourself. And so, you know, there's kind of that isolation, yeah. just, not having somebody to bounce ideas off of or to really kind of share your, your pain, but, um, you know, and your incitements with, you know, but, um, you know, there's been a lot of different things and not all of them really had to do with just being an entrepreneur. I mean, some of them are just life in general and things that happen. I mean, I, I got very sick for two years and I, I was in bed yeah. for two years. And so, during that time, fortunately, Chrissy was able to take and pick things up and keep going with things. Even when I was, you know, literally was in bed for maybe 22 hours a day. And Christy, were you working, at, you know, as a social worker and doing this and trying to take care of Scott and the, and the kids? And I was, um, I worked weekends for a while um, okay. and made it easier to balance having the kids and Scott and having to work. Um, but yeah, I was working and working a job and working kids and working this business too. Did you have, did you have some points, Christy, where you were like, this just isn't going to go. He, he's, he's, he's bad sick. You know, I'm having to do this stuff and it's not a thing against him or his idea or whatever. It's, it's just not going to happen. No, fortunately, we were far enough along at that point that, um, I mean, I did do a lot of work and still do a lot of work, but a lot of it was able to be kind of automated. Um, okay. You know, we've been working with Amazon and that was a blessing because we couldn't, I couldn't have just done, let me just go sell this. Yeah. Okay. You know, so the system was kind of set up, but you were having executed. Scott's trying to get over the illness. And, and of course, you don't know at the time how long it's going to last. You know, right now you can say, hey, it was two years. But I'm sure at times 
it may have felt like this is forever, right? Yeah. Yeah. So for Certainly. you, Scott, did you sit there and think, man, I cannot believe that I cannot help my wife. I can't help, you know, really be who I need to be. I mean, what was that internal battle like? I mean, it's definitely very discouraging. I think, you know, um, you know, this goes for men or women, especially as men who are, you know, we're kind of driven to be that provider and to be the protector and, you know, all those things. And so when you're kind of down and out, you know, it's, it's tough. I mean, what, we end up flying to John Hopkins university okay. to finally figure out what was wrong and to be able to get some treatment, you know, so that I could get better. But um, yeah, it was definitely some, you know, very dark times. And, and uh, so, yeah. How did all of that impact the rest of your family for you guys? Well, you know, the kids were kind of smaller, younger. So they remember some of it, but not a lot of it, which is nice, you know, in yeah. a way. Um, but we have family in Maumelle and family in Conway and family at church and you know, God just took care of us. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So now then though, the girls are older, right? The, the boys about to get married. They know dad's a little off his rocker because he's an entrepreneur, right? So they, they, they kind of, but they may see entrepreneurialism as normal, right? So what's their view? How do you think it's impacted them? Do they think much about, entrepreneurialism ideas or do they just kind of go oh, that's normal or it's like oh man I don't know dad does weird stuff <laughs> maybe a little of everything, <laughs> <laughs> everything. <laughs> I mean I know that we I've had conversations with my girls and and you know they would you know they would say oh your dad is the inventor of goatee saber oh my goodness are you kidding me this is like mm -hmm. really and she's like no big deal what do you mean <laughs> I like grew up with this yeah, it's, she grew up with boxes around, right? Yeah. Everybody thinks you got these great warehouses and yes, people we, doing stuff. And yes. like, no, man, you have to use your home. Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, they really do have, you know, a different, a, a different perspective on, you know, on things and just the way that, you know, the way that we've basically done this for, what, 15 years now, so. Scott, was there, was there, oh, go ahead, Christy, go ahead. I was going to say, I think the interesting thing is that um, Caleb, our son, has always been very kind of steady and traditional. And but um, now that he's out in the working world, he's he's starting to think more about making money as an entrepreneur as opposed to just mm -hmm. going to the nine to five. Okay, I mean, he's working a job, but he's starting to think a little bit outside the box now. Too. Okay, okay, which is good because it's been good for me to be able to invest in him in that way. I mean, he yeah. knows you know, that, that he can come to me because he's seen that, you know, not, not that everything's been successful because it hasn't been, but you know, just, um, so that's been good. I mean, I've really enjoyed that as a dad too. That's great. That's fantastic. Now talk some about Scott, some of the most maybe unique things that have happened to you because of the goatee saber that it was like, that would have never happened if I'd have just, gone to be the accountant and gone to yeah. be the whatever. 
Um, yeah. You've had some unique opportunities. Talk a little bit about this. Yeah. Well, I mean, one of them was is that when we launched the product, uh, we launched it basically on the Jay Leno show. Uh, is where we were at. Um, we launched it before that, but I was at a, you know, I was at a inventors. I went to an inventors, uh, and I had a booth. All I had was one prototype, literally. I didn't have anything. That was it? Had, but one prototype. I didn't have any product <laughs> to sell or nothing. I just went with the prototype. Of course, in my mind, being naive, I'm thinking, well, I'll just walk away with, you know, 100,000 orders. I didn't walk away with one order, you know. Really? Yeah, but the, during that time, they had a thing, and they said, um, okay, we um, – they said, I don't know if y'all seen on Jay Leno or not before, but he's got this segment called Sold or Not Sold. And so they're going to be interviewing people to be able to see if you can, you know, qualify to be a part of that segment. And so my mind just started, you know, racing, going, okay, I, he is my customer. He is the person I need to be selling to. Yeah. So I started thinking about, you know, what is the thing that he thinks about, you know, he talks about, and that's his chin, you know? And so I just, you know, when I went up and I, you know, they said, okay, here, do your pitch. And I said, you know, Hey, my name is Scott. I'm from Little Rock, Arkansas. And, you know, I invented this product, keep your goatee straight. And I put it up, showed what it is. I said, Jay, it'll even fit your chin. And so from there I was on, you know, yeah. I mean, that was I, your I hook. I closed it. And they said, can we have this product? I said, under my breath, this is the only one I have. But are you kidding me to get it on the Jay Leno show? Yes, I'll give it to you. I mean, it, it was just, it was crazy. You know, I was there with nothing. You know, the rest of the time I was like just standing around, you know. But I mean, just things like that that you start to look at and think, who is my customer in this specific point in time? Oh, that's a good you point. Know, how do I take that and present it in a way that I can sell it to? You know who it is is my audience you know so at that point it wasn't anybody other than jay i didn't care that's only my that was my 100 percent audience that know? was your audience now what about audience now is it just in the united states can people order it worldwide yeah no it's worldwide i mean it's okay. it's probably about um i would say about 70 percent of our business in the u.s okay uh 30 is international but we got a um we've teamed up with a great partner in Saudi Arabia and um, that we've translated the product into Arabic and English. We have the, the goatee saver, which by the way, I do have a, yeah, a, I was going to say, can you show one? There you go. It. But uh, anyway, so we took this and translated this and beard trimmers that we sell. We started adding on a lot of other products and beard wash conditioner. Okay. So you started doing more facial products then yes. at that point. Okay. We started adding, onto it um, and that was after 20 years of me selling this one product i brought an intern on that said hey i want to be an entrepreneur and so he said he said i'll volunteer for you i said dude you are an entrepreneur if you have that mindset of going look i don't want any money because money's going to end up making things rough i just want to come in and learn but anyway when he came in he helped me to translate it into arabic and you know wow. all that. and so you know, we have a, a, a great partner in the Middle East right now that sells all throughout the Middle East. And so uh, now let's, let's talk about that, because I think a listener or watch someone watching would go, wait a second. This goatee saver is in Saudi Arabia. So you just said it a minute ago with the Tonight Show, you realize, OK, if Jay Leno is my 
guy that I'm selling to because I've only got one of these, right? I've got to have my hook, right? So you had your hook, it went well. Why would this work in a place like Saudi Arabia? Well, I mean, a big part of it is it's just their culture. You know? Okay. And I started thinking about that. You know, I think, okay, their culture is to have facial hair. And so I just that's started, true. you know, how well that would fit into, you know, who they are as men. And I, I knew some guys from, you know, Saudi Arabia. And so I've developed friendships. I've lived, you know, in a bunch of different countries. It was in, you know, one country over in the former Soviet Union for two years. And, you know, so a lot of that just kind of gives me a different mindset of kind of looking at it from a different perspective. And see, I think this is a, I think this is a key point for entrepreneurs, artists, people in unique niches, right? Understanding the culture of what, where you're trying to take this to mm -hmm. is probably bigger than the product, right? Mm -hmm. So you're looking at this and you're knowing, wait a second, there's a culture there that has in Saudi Arabia and it's true you look at the men and what are they usually in, right? That there is the goatee, but you can't just ship that, you know, over there. There's a thing of like, wait a second, you know, what? Yeah. So, you know, you've, you've really hit on what I think is a, a critical point, And that is finding those cultural niches, right. And making your home there versus just, Hey, I got a product, you know, yeah. Well, you know, I got a product, got a product. Um, so how did that time away in other countries help you with what you're doing right now? Yeah. Well, um, it, like I said, it does, it makes you to, to think differently. I mean, you just, you, when you live in another country, it's like everything you know is thrown out the window. It's mm -hmm. like start over, you know, all your cultures, the laws, the traditions, the way you interact with families and everything. I mean, just everything is just really just basically, you know, start over. And so it allows you to kind of start from the ground up. And so you start developing this mindset of, you know, of um, being able to analyze a situation and to be able to come up with a solution for it. But I mean, to begin with, I, I did just throw everything everywhere. Sure. Like I would not, you know, I mean, like for instance, Asian guys don't grow much facial hair. And so to begin with, I went and, you know, was trying to sell it in Japan, which was a flop, you know, but, but, you know, not, not that there aren't guys there that have, you know, beard, but it's just not as, you know, as much. It's not the market. Yeah. 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 And certainly culturally, that's what they do. You know, yeah. that, that, that wasn't an interest for them. Well, talk some about, um, some of the joys along the way of being an entrepreneur, you know, some of this was funny with Jay Leno, but then let it into, okay, Hey, wait, this is who I'm trying to sell to. So it's a great meaningful point. What's some other joys along the way that, you know, man, if I'd have done something else, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been able to do that. Yeah. I do think a lot of it has to come with the freedom of being able to, especially with my illness, you know, that if I was, working a nine to five job and that's what I had, then it, it I mean, I don't, we wouldn't have made it, but instead because of the fact that we send it to Amazon and Amazon fulfills the product that we can, you know, send it in bulk. And then if I'm not able to do anything for a month, well, 
you know, the product's still selling. And so it just gives you a lot more uh, freedom, you know, of your time. It doesn't mean that you don't work because you probably maybe end up working more, but yeah. it does allow you that freedom to free up your time and to, you know, to use it wisely. Um, I think another thing is just, um, you get to interact with multiple, as you said, cultures, not right. just Saudi Arabia, but um, just all the different people that it's required to make a product. Um, and I, Scott has a love for that in his heart for traveling and um, for international people. And so I think that's brought so a this lot of fits your passion. It's not just a product for you fits the passion really where your heart and mindset is anyway. This is just kind of the vessel, if you will, to, that, that, that's been placed in front of you. Well, kind of, uh, do you have anything next? I mean, you've kind of done, you know, the, the goatee and then I know you're doing some other facial products, but uh, do you have other things that you sell or things you want to get into? Well, because of the coronavirus, we started looking at and thinking, okay, we, you know, we, we need to think about that. We need to be planning for that. We don't know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. you know, all of our products are made in China and, uh, you know, just, you just never know a shifting of political, you know, uh, things or, you know, I just don't know. And so you don't want to be boxed in a corner. And so with that, we've been taking and branching out into other products that would, you know, that would maybe, you know, tie more in with men uh, but not necessarily just that, but, um, you know, just really kind of trying to step back and you've always got to be adjusting, mm -hmm. uh, you know? And so another thing that, that I've been probably for the last two years, really, uh, more learning more about, and that's, you know, digital currency. Okay. And so just with the changing of, you know, our current, uh, you know, economic environment and what's going on and you got, countries going to their own digital currency and you know you got banks that are you know it's just there's a lot of uncertainty right now and okay. so um you know i've been spending a lot of time you know with that and investing in that and just you know kind of learning about that um just because i believe that's you know it's just trying to have that vision of the future you yeah. know where things are going and you know people right now they go oh man that's you're dumb for doing you know i say okay that's fine i mean you say that now but it, maybe it is but i don't yeah. know but it's something in me that keeps saying, you know, you, you need to, you, you know, don't let this go. You need to keep learning about this and keep studying, you know, so. I think that's what being an entrepreneur also helps with, which we kind of touched on. It's just the ability to bring in other things that you're interested in or that you need mm -hmm. to learn about or that become important. You have that freedom to do that. Well, I know one thing that is important to you guys is fostering. Mm -hmm. So let's just kind of give some context here. You're raising a family, right? You're the entrepreneur. You know that economic things could suddenly change, you know, things for you guys overnight, you know? Um, and while other people, that certainly is true, but you're right. Your product is made in another country. Things could change where you don't get it. Um, it doesn't come in, you know, you may have orders that you can't fulfill. So you got all that going on. You're raising the, the kids. You're trying to move some things forward. Then where in the world do you have room to say, why don't we foster? So where did that come from? And talk to us a little bit about 
if someone was interested in fostering, you know, what, what they might check out, what they might do, but tell us your story as to how that even came about. Well, it came about, um, we go to uh, the Summit Church in Little Rock and, and they have, um, they had a, you know, emphasis on uh, kids that need, you know, either, you know, permanent homes or temporary homes. And so it just really, you know, it's the music they play with the video, you know, <laughs> that gets your heart. You know? so <laughs> that's basically, you know, uh, you know, you know, just really thinking about what we have and how we've been blessed and, you know, people that aren't in that situation and how can we, you know, reach to them and help them. And he, sure. had, he was wanting to do it long before I was. Okay. He was wanting to do it when the kids were still young and I just wasn't there. Yeah. <laughs> tired already. <laughs> <laughs> now, was that before you got sick, Scott? Was that before? We kind of lose our time frame sometimes. Okay. That's all right. I'm just curious. It was after. It was, it was after. after. Yeah. Okay. But our, okay. we're still little, younger. Um, but then our kids grew up, and all of a sudden, I'm like, I don't have any babies. Yeah, the excuse <laughs> is gone. Baby. Do what? The excuse is gone, right? <laughs> you don't have to chase them around anymore. I'm, I'm almost having an empty nest. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's a big commitment. So it was kind of scary um, just to even start and know that. And when did you all start? When did you start? Um, about two and a half years ago is when we started the whole process. Okay. Okay. And then I know that each state is different, you know, on how they do certain things. I'm sure they do background checks. I'm sure there's an in-person interviews and, and that sort of thing. Um, and then at the end, were you still ready um, once they cleared you? Did they call you the next day and say, hey, we've got a child for you? Uh, how did it kind of happen? Well, we finished all our training, but it did take a couple of weeks or a month before we got any calls. And we kind of kept calling them saying, um, we're open, we're ready. Um, but it just didn't come. And then we we our first foster daughter was a little four-year-old girl and okay. she was with us for a year for a year okay mm -hmm. now how hard was that to say goodbye knowing that it's for her best right yeah it was hard okay it was hard <laughs> we have another little girl now and it's i'm already thinking it's going to be hard okay okay and what about though for the rest of your kids though because now then you you know brought someone in did you talk to them about it? Were they a huge fan? Did they go, wait a second, what is this? We did talk to them. Um, you know, every, our kids are so different. Our son was already graduated or in Fayetteville going to school and um, our middle daughter's very kind of go with the flow. Um, okay. and she's very fun loving and adaptable. And our younger daughter's more like me. <laughs> Let's, let's do just the same thing that we usually do. So we, we talked to them all and they were, they were good for it, open for it. Okay. But our first foster daughter is, is, you know, we've already, Caleb has already asked her to be the flower girl in their wedding. Wow. So, I mean, you know, we've been connected with them, you know, some, uh, you know, some un unfortunate things have happened recently since they've been away from us, but, but, um, 
you know, but we've been really close connected with her even after she's moved to the new family. So we have her come and stay the week with us. And so, yeah, I mean, and like I said, she's going to be in, in Caleb's wedding too. So. Okay. Okay. So then how hard on it was for the girls then to take in this four-year-old, right? Their hearts are going to be for this little girl. And then all of a sudden she's taken out. How did they deal with that? Um, well, even at the beginning, when we first got her, that was an adjustment as well. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting to have an instant sister or, you know, an instant daughter. Mm -hmm. So you have to kind of, I don't even know how to explain it, but you just kind of grow into that. Um, and it was difficult when she left, but because we had a good relationship with the caseworker, and um, had already met the, the new parents, we were able to, to know that we would see her again. And I think that made it more bearable. Okay, that's really been. good. That's yeah. really good. Well, listen, I appreciate you all sharing that. I know that that's emotional and uh, a tough thing to you know, talk about. I know that it's a great joy to have you know, been able to be those foster parents, but uh, still, a, still a tough emotional time. Well, let's do this, Scott. Um, why don't you uh, give us the shameless plug, okay, about where people can find your products, you know, and, and that sort of thing and keep up with yeah. you. So talk a little bit about that before we end here. Let me just say one thing. Yes, I know go you for it. For, this. Um, for folks in Arkansas, we went through the call for hey. the foster training. Yes. Um, and in other states, I know that you can go through DHS to get foster training. Okay. All right. Perfect. Call is a great organization that really has helped us tremendously go through the process of, of all of it, you know? Okay. All right. That's perfect. That's perfect. And so, <clears throat> let me just say, first of all, I just want to say for people that have an idea or people that, you know, have lost hope on their idea is don't give up. I mean, just, just don't give up, you know, and it's, I don't care how long it's been. I don't care. You know, it, it, it doesn't matter that it was, a, you know, it's a 20 year old dream or, and I don't mean necessarily inventing a product or it may be, sure. maybe learning a new skill or getting into a different career or whatever, you know, and, and just to offer that encouragement of, of just knowing that there, it's still possible, you know, and I, I think hope is something that we all need, you know, and we all need to encourage each other, you know, with that hope. And so, uh, but anyway, so uh, back to the product as far sure. as that, our website is uh, myperfectgoatee.com uh, is where you can find that. And, you know, we sell on Amazon too as well. Um, and uh, so anyway, that's where you can find us at. Is on that's, perfect. that's perfect. That's perfect. Well, listen, thank you guys for being on here. I really appreciate it. I think people are going to be fascinated to hear. And I hope this is an encouragement um, because what this podcast is about is discovering those unique niche people, right? And then there's others that want to do unique niche stuff and they yeah. may feel alone, right? Yeah. They may feel like, man, people are laughing at me, you know, with this product yes. idea, right? I'm sure you've gone through your fair share yeah. of it. Um, mm -hmm. And what we want them to know is you're not alone. Because yes. I think that's where the discouragement comes in is, is when people think I'm alone. And so this is what we want to be able to, come alongside of people, cheer them on and say, listen, we're here for you. 
We'll do what we can to help get you connected to people. Uh, we'll work with you, give you, you know, whatever resources that we have at our disposal as far as encouragement and, uh, and that sort of thing. So, hey guys, thank you so, so much. And um, uh, I am looking forward to seeing what else Scott comes up with. I know Christy may not be excited as what I might be. Yes. <laughs> She is. Oh, yeah, she is. Got to find more room for boxes. Uh, what was it? More. Got to find more room Gotta for boxes. Got more room for, hey, it's the life of an entrepreneur, yes. right? That is not the spare bedroom. That is not the living room. That is a place for boxes. So, That's right. anyway. The house. All right. Yeah. Hey, guys, thank you for being with us, all right? Thank hey, you. Thank you, Alex.